Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another special episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast. Each week, I bring you inspirational, incredible people, public figures, inspirational uh, leaders in whatever they do, whatever genre, whatever industry, and today is no different. So Somalia Brown, she's a wife, mother, first and foremost, author, motivational speaker, a reset mindset specialist, and above all, a world changer. She's also the co-founder of the Arise Women Collective, a sacred space for men and women to receive training to lock arms, to rise up, to dismantle and disrupt the social norm. Within the collective, it's a true accountability on their spiritual journey as they are empowered to walk in their authoritative voice and as a woman of God on their transformed mind. As a spiritual pusher and prayer warrior, she is called to disrupt and disrupt all ways of thinking, posture and mindset, especially when it comes to yourself and your relationship with God. As a former LSU track and field and soccer athlete, her discipline and determination to push you towards achieving your goal is felt as she challenges her clients to shift and become the greater version of themselves. Somalia is filled with the Holy Spirit and will speak to your soul. She has a unique ability to see the warrior woman within and assist in bringing her forth by helping her clients uncover their true identity, demolish limited mindset beliefs and find their authentic voice, whether in the marriage, ministry, motherhood or marketplace. So first and foremost, welcome to the show, Somalia. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Super excited. Well, you, you know what? It's, it's kind of funny because uh, as, I, as I was speaking about that, talking about the Arise Women, I met you through, <laughs> it's funny because we've just done a room together, but from an amazing lady called Jodiana who introduced me to you and to the Arise community. And it's a game changer. It really is. But pretty much what I tend to do with the Imperfectly Perfect first before going into what you exactly do I mean I touched upon it about the beginning being first and foremost you're a mother um, and a wife but but tell us about Somalia Brown the person behind the books behind the Arise community wow that's a loud question so basically (laughs) uh, I'm originally from Panama my parents are from Panama Central America um, so I was raised in America, but with a cultural background of Panamanian. So, um, so I'm American in some ways, but very, very much, as you saw with our, our room we just had, I could relate to the girl who said the Caribbean family, like the Caribbean family that comes here where their parents really didn't have much and they built everything from the ground up. You know, that's my parents, uh, foreigners that come here and they see the land of opportunity and they work their butt off to get to where they are. So that work ethic clearly transferred to me. Um, I was an athlete, been an athlete since the age of two. There's a picture of me that my parents have when I was two years old with a soccer ball at my foot. My brother's five years older than me. So of course I was trying to follow him. Uh, <laughs> and that just became something that I was great at. Um, then I ran track because I was fast enough. And then the rest is history. I mean, I literally was an athlete my entire life. I did not have a normal childhood. My dad was in the military. So I've lived all over the world. I've lived in Germany. I've lived in Panama, Honduras, all over the U.S., visited plenty of places. Um, and then with that, my sports took me also traveling. So my summers were not, let's go outside and play tag. My summer was running track and driving across the U.S. from 
Kentucky to San Antonio, back to Georgia, wherever the AAU track meet was at that time. So, I mean, I did not have a typical childhood. I was literally, I had the elite coaches, the best of the best. I was um, recruited to run track at this amazing school in Nashville, Harper Valley. I was sponsored in. I mean, it's just, that was my life. I was always around top-notch coaches and athletes. So even if I wanted to be mediocre, I couldn't in my field because I was, it's like God literally surrounded me around greatness. And when you're around greatness, which literally can lead me into a rise nation, when you're around greatness, it rubs off on you. And you look around and you're just like, well, what am I doing? <laughs> let me <laughs> let me fix me or let me do, you know, and, and I've had that mentality. So um, my coach would always, like I, I say, I would get on the field, we'd be losing in soccer and I'd get on the field and all of a sudden they just rev up their game. And I'm just like, where was that? Like five minutes ago before they scored. And they're looking at me like, I don't know. My coach would be like, it's you. You just have this energy about you that when people come around you, they want to do better. And at the time I couldn't understand it because I was a young athlete and I was frustrated because it was just like, it's all on me. Every time I step on the field, then you guys want to play, but now we only have four minutes and now we have to bust our butt. And I didn't understand it until I grew up. And my um, track coach told me at LSU in like 2000, he was just like, um, it's just you, who you are. It has nothing to do with your ability. It's your aura. It's what you carry. And then that transferred to my walk with God. And I see it when people come around me, they literally level up their game, literally. And, and I don't even do anything. It's just, they see me and they're just like, I guess if you can do it, I can do it. And that's the beauty of it. The flip side of that is I get both sides. I'll see someone for who they are, an amazing person of God, but then they show everybody else their flaws. So they kind of, try to hide it from me. And I'm not the one I love everybody. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell and how Arise came out. I just, I really want everyone to be great in who they are and what they're supposed to do. And that's what I do. I just pull out the greatness in people. That's my job. And, and that's so true though, because it even th it's through the audio for those listeners, like you can tell the passion behind it and the sincerity. But one thing that I really respect about you is getting to know you is that you own your truth and you teach people how to own their truth and I suppose with the Olympics on at the moment and and Simone coming forward and putting her mental health before her profession I suppose because you've got a similar background what is your take on that because I was also speaking to um, an international rugby union player yesterday Sam and he did the exact same thing whereby he was at the top of the game he just won the championship where he should have been feeling elated he was actually struggling and I had to return to his heritage to rebuild. Yeah. And he thought, I might never play again. He is doing, but he had to find that. So I suppose with you being around, as I say, attesting to the campaign, perfection with determination, resilience and everything, that's a lot to bear on your shoulders as well. So I suppose, how did you manage your well-being, mental health through that when everyone looked at you as in, Oh, Somalia, her aura, her energy is great. We need her. That's a lot to take on. Absolutely a lot. And I tip my hat off to Simone because being able to bow at the Olympics, I mean, you work your butt off for the Olympics. That was huge. And I, I totally respect her. 
Um, and that's that takes guts. That takes strength. It's actually stronger to be able to do that <laughs> than to actually go out and try to do it. You know what I mean? Um, but for me personally, I think mine was the the frustration. I took it out on my teammates. Like, what are you doing? Like, come on. Or I'm sitting on the bench and I rarely rode the bench. But when I rode the bench, I was just like, what are y'all doing? Like, it was just a frustration um, because it was like uh, not being conceded. But I guess I got to go out on the field and then we're going to win. And then you get out on the field and then they step up their game and then you win. But it's like we could have won by more or we wouldn't have had to struggle at the end. So me being so young and not knowing about mental health, because I mean, there wasn't much, you know, now that we have the internet and, and social media, mental health is not as much as a taboo topic because we have people like you shedding light on it. You know what I mean? Back then, like in 2000, mental health, I probably didn't even know what that was, to be honest, you know, you just didn't because it just wasn't a thing. Um, so I think I, in college, I definitely had a moment. My, I had never been hurt ever, ever, ever in my entire life. My freshman year, I pulled my hamstring. I pulled it so bad I was on crutches. And my coach and my teammates were all there for me. But then when I came back mentally, it was horrible. Um, I, I couldn't, every time, like I remember, to this day, I can literally see me running in that top of the curve, just falling. And every time I'd run, I'd get to that curve and my whole body would just tighten up like the muscle memory, like my body remembers, hey, this is the area where you got hurt, where you fell. And it was so hard to break that, that I don't ever think, I don't think I did. Um, I remember the older girls, the senior girls saying, wow, when she finally gets healed, she's going to be amazing. I don't think I ever reached that because mentally I just, as an athlete, I know you play some sports. When you hurt an area, you're running fast until that area reminds you, hey, mm -hmm. I got hurt before, you know? And that can be on anything. You're married and you're running into that marriage until you hit a wall and you're like, wait, this feels familiar. The last time I was with, you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. that trigger. Um, how did I deal with it? I think. I think I just kept pressing because that's what you're taught to do. I kept going. I never spoke to anyone, but I kept pressing and I kept telling myself, like Simone said, I mean, I could tell myself to get out there and do it. I can tell myself, go get it, do what you got to do and bring the gold home. But there are certain things in sports that I think non-athletes don't understand when your mind and your heart are not in sync if you are fearful, you can't play football. You can get hurt. Like fear in a sport can sometimes hurt you. Rugby, soccer, gymnastics. Absolutely. If she's not in sync and she goes and flips and you don't feel confident in landing that, you could break your neck. Like, so I told, but people don't understand that because they're not athletes. Only athletes can understand when you are doubting yourself. And this is for anyone who's listening, that you can take a mindset from an athlete. When you are doubting yourself as an athlete, you cannot perform. Mm. I don't care how fast you are. I don't care how much strength you've gained in the, in the uh, workout room. Your mind over matter. If you literally say, I don't know if I can do this, you won't. Not on the field. It won't happen. Um, football players, if they have the ball ready to throw it and immediately a thought comes, he's not going to catch it. That ball is not going to make it. You just sabotage yourself. So 
it's a it's a very huge mental game when it comes to sports and people don't realize people who aren't athletes which i get it i understand because we don't understand what we've never experienced yeah so yeah it's uh you know this is why i love these conversations on this campaign where it's gone but you pick up so much wisdom from each person you speak about and you understand different ones when you actually take the time to go deep on these harder conversations so that right there for our listeners can can fully embrace and go like i always say as humans we tend to judge whether something's good or bad but be mindful because if you have never walked in an athlete's shoes you're never going to understand and like you taught me myself when it came to your head and your heart aren't matching within your business like there's something that's and i had to learn that and once that does come in sync and it actually taught me that there are so many incredible people talking about coaching and talking about this will work, this will work. And I used to be the one person going, tried that, didn't work, tried that, didn't work, tried that, <laughs> is missing. And then when I met yourself through the Arise community, which we'll move on to in a second, it was kind of like a simple formula that you taught me. It was like, there's no bells, wills and trissels. There's something not aligning. And that tends to be whatever, athleticism, business, your head and your heart. You can tell yourself in your head as much. And I know we spoke earlier about, this mentality when people fake it to make it and it's kind of still you're still out of sync because you can tell your head so much but if your heart's not so I suppose we'll move forward with that and from your background of, of growing into your sport and then you became an author and the Arise community came but what came with the Arise community was your faith and with God now when we touch upon God like my experience of growing up I was never around the church or anything like that. So there's always that kind of, and I want to go into this conversation because there's always that thing where people go, oh, people are talking about God, there's religion, then there's spirituality. Where do we go from here? So what's your take and how did it come about that you found your faith, I suppose? So I did not go to church much often when I was young. I was not raised in the church. My parents, ironically, I always say God knows, and I think he does know, which I know he does. I should say that. He knows what parents to give you. My parents walked out biblical principles, but we did not really attend church. And being Latin, we were Catholic. And my brother was doing his, I think it's called communion. And I was like five, six. And I saw him on stage. And I was like, do I have to do that? And my mom goes, yep. I said, I don't want to do that. And by the time it was time for me to do it, we were no longer Catholic. I don't know what happened, but it was done. And I was happy because I did not want to do that. Uh, I don't know. Just something in me was just like, no. Um, a story that I don't often tell is at six, I died. I literally went to a pool with some friends. My brother and my aunt were there. We were playing around the pool. She jumps in or she falls in. I jump in to try to save her. And then the little sister jumps on top and there's music. So they can't hear us. And she's on the bottom and a star like flat. And then I'm horizontal. We literally land like a cross. And that is the day that I think my entire world changed. Um, my dad came running. They went to go get him. He came running and he did CPR on me and, and spoke to me and called me back until I came back. I was literally blue when the paramedics came. And when I came out of it, I told my mom I was with Jesus. I was with God. I didn't even know who that was. Cause like I said, we didn't really, I mean, we did the Easter, we did the, you know, the facade, like we were just talking about. <laughs> I didn't know that God was behind Easter. I didn't know nothing. I just told her I was with God. She was just like, don't talk like that. 
And I was just like, no, I was sitting on his lap. And he told me, it's not your time. You've got way too much work to do. Time to go back. And that moment, my life changed. I didn't notice because I was still six, but spiritually something shifted. I'm now, I've crossed over. So crossing over and coming back does something supernatural to your entire being in your psyche. So you can fast forward. I didn't meet God, God, and have a personal relationship with him until 18, 19. And that literally transformed my life. Like he sent me to LSU to meet him. Like God literally, that was not the school of my choice. My brother was like, you're like one of the fastest ones coming out of Texas. Why don't you want to go to one of the best schools? I was like, I don't know. I want to go to the North. He was like, they don't even run track up North. What are you talking about? Like, So for me, not growing up in the church, because I think it's very different for people who grow up in it, because that's all they know. Like we said, it's what you see. So for them growing up in the church is church is a building. Church is going to, I mean, God is a building, going to church every Sunday, going to Bible study. For me, I met him. He came to me in my dorm room. Like he literally brought a freshman young lady who was absolutely sold out for God. And she turned our whole entire track team upside down. And she was like, you want to have Bible study? I'm like, I don't know what that is, but sure, why not? And we had it in my room and then we had it in her room. And then it just kept going from there. So where he met me is he found me. So people who grow up, they find him in the building. So it's kind of like wherever you find him is where you kind of keep going. Mm. So for me, I literally have a relationship. I don't say I'm religious. I don't say I have, um, I go to church. I don't say I'm spiritual. I literally say I have a relationship with God. And to me, that's different because you're married. Could you be married without a relationship? No. That's the component that's missing. So that's my take. And that's what I coach and teach the Arise Nation. Cause I do draw a lot of people who they say they're like pew babies that were born in the church and raised in the church. And they always tell me you are so different yet you don't know anything that we've been through. Cause I don't, I didn't grow up in it and it's different. So, so for me, spirituality, um, I really don't know what spirituality is. I have no clue. I've never looked it up. Um, so I don't even really want to talk on it because I don't want to sound crazy. But spirituality to me is just when people are exploring and they don't really know which way or where they want to go because we're spiritual, we're spirits. Um, so that's it's more of a seeking phase, mm-hmm. I think. And then when you find something, you're like, okay. Cause I mean, they, they just go all over the place when it comes to spirituality. There's not just one center. There's not just one way. There's a lot of different ways. And then religious, just the word itself, it has a negative connotation. Sometimes um, it's kind of like a box. It's very restrictive. Mm. It's very, do this, don't do that. Check this off. You know, it's kind of like when you do that religious routine, when you put that word to it, it's like, I have to do this. You become a robot. And we know that God doesn't want robots. So for me, the best way that I describe myself is a believer. And I have a personal relationship with God. I do not knock anybody else because to each their own. But I do know one thing. When you have a personal experience with God Almighty himself, everything else falls to the wayside. Wow. I I think that's so important for our listeners to understand, though, because like 
And as I say, going into those hard conversations, it is like you say, as soon as somebody at times mentions the word God, people's brain at times go straight to, oh, religion. Whereas isn't it kind of funny that people, pop stars, international public figures, Kanye West, all these people can literally mention the word God on stage and then it's okay. It's kind of acceptable that, oh, my favorite person mentions God. However, some people still like shy away from it. And I suppose what you mentioned about spirituality, that's the phase where I found you, where I was on my journey. So I think you just, you, you said it perfectly because I was going in all different directions. Mm-hmm. There was people reading me and people telling me stuff and cards and this, that, and the other. And all that was doing was, it was predominantly mixing my head up. And I was like, well, what's real? What's not? What's that? And I knew it was doing things for this campaign and kept it moving. And the day that I walked into your room and you poured into me and it was just like this light bulb thing. So I suppose what are the origins of the Arise community? Where did that come to fruition? It's going to it's a funny story. I promise you, it has nothing to do with what you think it does. <laughs> Literally. Last year, December 16th, I found out that we were having a cosmic shift. I don't know if you heard about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a, okay. And I was just like, okay, I need to get in position because when there's a cosmic shift, our bodies respond. People don't believe it, but we're all connected. It's all connected, right? So I said, I want to be in position. So that was the beginning of it. And then I stopped because it was on the 21st of December of 2021. What are we, 2020. And then I was like, you know what? I want to get something this year that I've never, ever received from God. And I want to pray and stand in the gap for my husband to rise up in the man of God that he is. He walks, he reads, he studies, but there's more. So I said, I'm going to go on like a 5 a.m. journey because I do it all the time. But I said, let me just do it on Clubhouse. Why not? So I reached out to Av and she said, okay. And it was born. We literally got on there every morning. June 15th was the last day I was on there. December 21st, 2020, all the way to June 15th, I did it every morning. And what happened was all of January was like the root people like Diona and Heather and Luana, all the people who are the staple, they had joined, they had come in. And they were instantly transformed on day one. Then, they kept, then they'd come back and bring other people. And then that person would be instantly transformed. It was just a transformational prayer. And it literally started, I was not even praying at first. I was stating affirmations for me, my husband, and each one of my kids. And I just, when people started coming, I just took all of our names out to keep it personal. Um, and just would say, my husband walks with integrity. My husband is an amazing man of God. My husband loves me as Christ loves the church. My daughter is an apostolic leader and she's amazing. My son, this, my son, that. And then I shifted and just saying our husbands, um, our children, our daughters. And then people just started flowing in. And then I said, Avery, we have something here. And she was just like, I know. (laughs) I was just like, but I don't know what to do with it because when I tell you Arise Nation is straight spirit led, we don't plan anything. Everything is God, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to do this? What's next? Like right now, after September, revamping everything. And it's taken since January to September to figure out how to revamp it because we've asked God 
over and over. What do you want us to do with this? How do you want this to look? Because we are showing people that you can have a ministry or a business or whatever it is, a career that is straight spirit-led. That's what Arise Nation is, strictly spirit-led. Well, I actually thought it had been on for a couple of years. So to grow that quickly, like for put it into context for anybody who's not on Clubhouse, find Arise Community because that has grown and there are some amazing people doing amazing things in there. And it's come from that. And it just shows you, doesn't it, that... What I want to ask you to, to, to your point of building a rise community is what you've done is been at the forefront of showing people that in a world where people tend to compete, manipulate, um, gaslight people, try and get to where they want and forget mm-hmm. the rest of it. What you've shown and led by is, you know what, guys, we can all eat at the same table, the fruits of our labor by coming together as a collective. And that's what I always I always joke. And I say the big man upstairs. <laughs> like that's how I see it. The big man upstairs. He's bringing us together to show that really is not. He's made us all unique. Like our imperfections are what make us perfect. So I suppose that goes straight into my question of going. What does being imperfectly perfect mean to you? Honestly, that means showing every battle scar and every wound that the Holy Spirit wants you to show. Literally, because there are some things that you know are not for everyone. And I learned that from, you know, the people that I sit under, they're like, everything is not for everyone. But what I've noticed that, I mean, even natural sense of me working at Prada and working in luxury to the spiritual side of me, what people loved about me was genuine. Mm-hmm. And when clients would come in and they're having a bad day and they'd be like, yeah, and you know, I'd talk to them or have an ear that's what drew them to me to come back and shop with me. Like they would literally Somali here. Nope. And turn around and walk out. And people were like, how did you get your clients to literally, they don't even come in the store if you're not here. Genuine being imperfectly. I'm not perfect. You know what I mean? And I show them my flaws spiritually. Same thing. There are moments where women think, oh my God, uh, I want to have a marriage just like you. I want to have a ministry just like you. I want to build and arise just like you. And I'm like, you don't know what it's cost me. Let me tell you. Mm -hmm. Because people gloat, people admire and covet, but you don't know what it took that person. You don't know what it took Beyonce to be Beyonce. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many hours she works out? Do you know what she, that's what I say. Like my childhood, you know what I had to give up? I had to give up like Michael Jackson. I didn't have to give up being a child at some points. I'm driving to practice while everyone's at the playground. And I'm like, oh, I got to go to practice. You know what I mean? Or if Simone Biles, same thing. I think if I'm not mistaken, forgive me. Um, but I know many of the gymnasts, they move from their home to go live on the compound. You are get, You have to give up something to be great, to be a world changer. And that's imperfect because you are looking through the mirror at the other side of the grass and man, I can't even just ride my bike. (laughs) I can't even just be a kid. Like, I just want to be a kid today. And they're looking at the beam or the track or whatever. And they're like, I got to go to practice. When we show that side, a lot of people back up. But that's the imperfect side of you're just seeing my platform. You're just seeing Beyonce's platform. You're just seeing whoever else's platform that you admire and want so bad, but what did she or he have to give up to get that? That should be the question that every person asks. And the main thing that celebrities have to give up is their privacy. Are you willing to give up your privacy 
to be the man of the year. They have no privacy. At first, you're going to be like, absolutely, I'll give up everything until you have no privacy. <laughs> you can't even go to the grocery store without some. You can't eat dinner without some. Can yeah. I, can I picture, picture? You're like, oh my God. So being imperfectly perfect means showing those around me that either I mentor or that I'm assigned to because I have a lot of assignments, the real side of marriage, the real side of ministry, the real side of walking as a warrior. It's lonely. There's people that I can't sit under. When someone sees what's on my life, they latch on and they start to try to manipulate you. You know, it's lonely or most world changers. Like I said, in our room just previously, they're the glue in the family or they're the outcasts of the family. And that doesn't feel good. It's like everywhere you go, it's just some like, do you, are you ready for that? You know what I mean? Let me show you the imperfect side of having this anointing that can change your life, that can heal your body. Let me show you that. Then you have the right balance to make the perfect choice. Oh, I could listen to you all day. The, the, the wisdom, because I'm just like, oh, if, if people could understand that, like from your background of being around these people and yourself being a leader as well, and where I would never have guessed where this imperfectly perfect would have taken me. And I'll tell you something, building a business or doing a job has got nothing about being broken by God and learning about yourself and going, all right, are you really ready for this? Like, and you know my story being manipulated. People use me for my, my platform, this, this, and feeling lonely, feeling broken. And I'm going, oh, this is hard. Yeah. And like, if it wasn't for you and the Arise, the Arise community just going, one step at a time, keep pressing, keep pressing. Wow. It's because I'll tell you something. Now I have spoken to people like yourself and then um, celebrities in other industries. And I always start it and say, I appreciate your accolades. I appreciate this. But I start it with the reason, like, tell me who Somalia is, because I want to uncover and go, okay, wow. To where she is now, to what she had to go through. That is not just, and I think that's through the podcast where people can go, oh, now I can actually understand a little bit more and go, do I actually want that? Like, because for me, looking at some of these business people, I used to think, oh, they're earning millions. And I go, oh, that must be great. And then it was thrown to me and it was like, yeah, but when you're running a multi-million dollar business, do you understand that you've got a million dollar problems as well? Yeah. Are you willing to sacrifice? To and I'm like, oh, but we don't see it. We see that highlight, like you say. Nope. So, and you were you were an um, an author as well. So tell us about your book. Last couple of questions because I know you're busy. You're on your evening. So tell us about your book. So I do have a book. It's called Pray Why uh, Pray Why What Call Where, and it is the five techniques to improve your wife life. And basically, it was birth out of my life. My husband's like, you should just write a book. And I was just like, really? About what? He's like, your process. So pray, you know, this, this is the process that I teach my women how to handle marital issues. And then it can grow into any area. So the book literally gives you, it breaks down. You pray before you talk to your spouse or your boss or anyone. Um, why? Why am I mad? why did this bother me? Where did I go wrong? It's basically putting that mirror in your face. It's steps to put the mirror in your face. Call is call your accountability partner, which I teach them. We tend to have people in place that shouldn't be in place. So I'm a pusher and I'm someone who will put the mirror in your face. So if you call me and say, my husband just fussed me out, I'm gonna ask you, what did you say? 
you know, because they try to paint the picture. You see what I'm saying? So who do you call when you need a soft word to be delivered? Are you going to call a pusher? Or are you going to call someone who's very harsh? No. But if you need a harsh word, if you need to be like, look, babe, I really need you to hear me. You're not going to call your soft-spoken friends. So I teach them how to call the right accountability person because I have accountability people for each area of my life, spiritual, marriage, motherhood, everything. That's the only way you can keep it together. And then um, prayer, I would call where, where did the situation either get out of hand? Because it shouldn't always escalate. That's the problem in marriages. It always goes from, babe, this, this, that, and now everyone's screaming and yelling. So basically the book helps you walk through a day in a life of how to implement boundaries and parameters around your emotions. It's an emotions book um, because we all know who are married that your emotions get the best of you and you're now sleeping on the couch or sleeping on the opposite ends of the bed for a couple of days for weeks on end because you couldn't talk, you know? And I tell them, how's that working for you? You're strong, but you're wrong or you're strong, but you're sleeping by yourself. Is that working for you? Try the book. So that's pretty much what the book is about. I have a couple of eBooks as well. Um, um, about divine disruption last year, how to change words. So I never call it by its name. The C word is not what I call it. I call it the divine disruption. As soon as it happened and my kids came out of school, I said, God, you are divinely disrupting our lives. What do you want me to do with it? And it took away the fear from the word C-O-V-I-D. It took away the, the heaviness. It took away, away everything that came when you said that word last year. And so that Divine Disruption um, ebook helps you embrace Divine Disruption. He shut down everything. There was no <laughs> concerts. There was no sports. There was no restaurants. And marriages were failing because people realized that their organized chaos life was gone and they didn't even know who their spouses or their children were because we don't spend that much time with them. People were at each other's throat because they were at home. So that book kind of helps people with that. Um, so yeah, I have those two books, uh, Pray Why, What, Call, Where, and then The Divine Disruption. So where can people find both books and ebooks and where can people find more information about you? So I have a website, it's somaliabrown.com and you can find the ebook on there. The book is on Amazon, so you can find it on Amazon. Um, I am on Instagram at The Real Somalia, Real Somalia. And I'm on uh, Facebook at Real Somalia, Coach BB. Um, and then I'm on Clubhouse at Somalia B. So you can find me on any one of those. I'm more on Instagram and I'm more on Clubhouse. And then with the Arise Woman, Rise Nation, we do have an app and we do have uh, a website. If you wanted to know more about us, it's arisewomen.info and that's woman with an E. So it's arisewomen.info. That is mentees and accountability. Um, we're shifting gears and it's going to be mentees accountability together only. And you have to be vetted and you either can be nominated from the inside or someone on the inside knows you, they can nominate you, or you go through, like I said, our vetting system. And the reason why we do that is because world changers have to have some thick skin. Mac, Tesla, um, anything that's out, the internet, <laughs> anything that's out of the box gets ridiculed, laughed at. So if you're a world changer, whatever assignment you have on this earth, people are gonna laugh at you at first because it's never been seen, Noah and the art, it's never been seen. Do you have the tenacity and the strength to stand 
when you're saying you're a world changer, but you've got your family, you've got your spouse, you've got your kids saying you're crazy, this isn't gonna work, can you stand? Those are the people that we want. We want those, like I said, who are the glue in their family, those who are ready to go into the enemy's camp and literally take back what he took from your family, whether it be your finances, whether it be your marriage, whether it be your children, your health, that's what a world changer is in the Arise community. So we make sure that when we bring you in, you have the basic already, and then we enhance the basic in you. Love that, love that. And last question. So I always tend to ask this, for our listeners, uh, we've got a global audience. So out of everything you've been through and what you've learned, like what are your last words that you would give to anybody that may suppress emotions, may struggle with that, about finding their truth, words of wisdom, finalized from Somalia? So if you are a believer, I'll do two parts because I understand that we're global. So if you are a believer, you find your truth when you finally surrender to what is on your life. Finding your truth is owning who you are. Um, like I said, I didn't know that I was a leader. I just did what I had to do to make it work on the field and on track. So I would say for anyone who is a believer and you are just now trying to be like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Seek God. But don't just leave it in God's hand because God's not a genie. Literally look at yourself. What are you good at? What do you naturally do and rise to the top? What can you do that nobody has to tell you to do? That's who you are. That's the perfect side of you. That is who God created you to be. That's what's written in your books. Then once you know that, then you can walk in that and God will add everything else, all the rest of ingredients to make you great at that. Find a mentor. Find someone to sit under. I don't care if it's an e-mentor. I don't care if it's an online mentor. Find someone. Always find a way to empower yourself. My mentees always ask me, what is the day in the life of a warrior woman? You are always perfecting your craft. Beyonce is always doing something to enhance her. Michael Jordan, Kobe, always doing something to better their gift. It's not a one-time thing. It's countless mindset shifts. It's countless books. It's countless correction, self-correction, looking in the mirror and saying, should I have really done that? I could have done this this way. For those of you who are not believers, it's pretty much the same thing. If you don't have, if you don't believe in God and you don't believe God can assist you in that, then you find someone you can sit under and learn from them wisdom from people who've been through, not just book knowledge, not just YouTube knowledge, but find someone who has been where you want to go because that's how you can get to where you want to get. I was told by a mentor, why would you have someone helping you make millions if they've never made millions? You see what I'm saying? So whatever it is you want to be, find someone. I know most of us who are entrepreneurs, I don't know if you're what what your audience contains, but many people are entrepreneurs or they want to be an entrepreneur. There's a bootstrapping season, but you got to know when that season is up. And that means hire help. That means hire an expert in your area that can help you because you can't bootstrap it the whole time. It's just not gonna work. You're gonna grow and then you're not gonna be able to have the capacity 
to maintain the growth. So for those of you who are not believers, find someone to sit under. It doesn't matter um, if you know them personally or not. Read all of their books, journal, but find a way to empower yourself in your weaknesses for both sides. Your weaknesses are the areas that you, if you perfect your weaknesses, imagine you are perfect in one area because we have areas that we just can handle with our eyes closed. But then our weaknesses mess that up. If you work on your weaknesses, I teach them all the time, work on your weaknesses to transform you into a whole person. Kobe did that. I did that. I was a horrible left footer. My dad said, only kick with your left at home. That transformed me. Now I'm a high commodity because I'm a forward in soccer and not very many forwards can use their left foot. So guess what? They'd be like, oh, it's a girl. And then I'd go down the field and run right through them and score because I had a left foot. It didn't matter where the ball was. I can kick in any way. You make yourself a high commodity if you work on your weaknesses. Many of you don't even know your weaknesses because you put a blind eye to it. You don't even want to see it because it's bad. No. Shift your mind real quick and look at your weaknesses as an area to improve good side. That is my advice to anyone that's listening on either side. Wow. <laughs> this has been like an amazing chat. I, ju I just want to say on behalf of obviously everyone that listens to this show, on behalf of what you've done for me, guys, you need to go and check out Somalia. So I'm going to put all the links up where you can find her, the Arise community. Make sure you do. Literally, like you said there, just go and look at it. Like there's too many people, like you say, entrepreneurs, everyone, that, that do procrastinate. They're trying to, as I say, service push or product push without actually getting the help themselves. So I think just take that initial if you don't take it, you don't, but look into things because that could be one of your weaknesses that is actually hindering your, your progress. So I'm going to put all the links up, but guys, make sure you follow Somalia Brown. Um, and until next time, guys, I really want you to, to know that these hard conversations are what save lives. So keep moving forward, keep growing. Until next time, guys, stay safe, stay happy, and uh, just keep talking. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.